this thing on? Hey, hey. sorry guys, that's my fault. <laughs> um, we, we were going to have this uh, very cool video to show you guys um, of Chris and Crystal in Africa. Um, and we were, we were trying to get that up. Unfortunately, we were not able to get that up. Um, but um, I, it's weird seeing people in masks for lots and lots and lots of reasons, and Brian's talked about it a lot, but one of the reasons why I wish I could see your faces is because I would love to see people's faces when they see that it's like me up here and not Brian. Um, <laughs> like I remember going to lots of churches growing up, and like my friends would invite me to churches, and we'd sit down, we'd do the worship, and then like a pastor would get up to preach, and I'm like excited for the sermon, and then my friend would always touch me like he's like, if you hate it, he's not the main guy. It's okay. Like, that's not the main guy, so don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but no, we, we were really excited to show this video of, uh, of Chris and Crystal. They're doing some amazing things in Africa. They are just changing lives and, and advancing um, God's kingdom. And so for the month of September, we are still trying to raise um, $15,000 to hopefully bless them. We have raised so much money in the past, and that's due to God's providence, his grace, and also your guys' um, incredible generosity. We are hoping to, in total, raise $180,000, um, which would be amazing and um, I really hope we get to that goal, because if we do get $280,000, I will personally go down to the track and watch Brian run. Um, I will be there the whole time. I, I, that's my sacrifice to you guys. I will watch the entire thing. Um, but, but it's good to be with you guys. It's great to be here, um, everyone in person and also online. Sorry, this thing's going to keep, I'm just going to hold it a little bit. I'm usually the guy who has a handheld mic. You know, I don't get, I don't get the headset. I don't get the Britney Spears set. Um, thank you guys for bearing with me. Um, so every week, Brian and I have these phone call conversations where we talk about um, our messages. We talk about our sermons. We bounce ideas off each other. We, we try and see sort of like how each other thinks and how we, can, how we can encourage each other and how can we sort of improve on what we're doing. And this most recent time, we were talking about, you know, my sermon, and we were talking about what we're going to talk about. And he just encouraged me to talk about something that's really been on my heart, something that's been um, sort of on my mind. And um, as I was thinking about it, I had been reading through the book of Philippians, which was, which was interesting for me because it correlated a lot with um, a lot of what Brian's been preaching on lately. So Brian, two weeks ago, preached on the importance of friends, the importance of community, the importance of having people in your lives to connect with, to love on, to encourage you, for you to encourage. And then he talked about the following week on diversity, on there is no such thing as an other in the, in the kingdom of God, that we're all in this together. And so as I'm reading the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians is amazing. It's written by the apostle Paul while he's in a prison in Rome. So he's hanging out in prison, and he's like, I'm going to go write this letter to encourage people. And so there's some big ideas in the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul starts off by saying the most important thing in life, the most important thing in his life, the most important thing in any life is to advance the gospel. That's the most important thing. Hey, there's a text we're going. I don't need that right yet. Thank you. Um, but his most, the most important thing is to advance the gospel. Like that's, that's his goal. As long as Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, Paul is happy. And he encourages Christians, that is the best thing you can do is just advance the gospel. He's sitting in prison and he looks and he's like, look at these imperial guards. Look at these people I get to preach to. Look at these inmates. As long as God is being proclaimed, I'm happy. I'm good. Even to the point where uh, he says this kind of weird thing where he's like, hey, even if like, we preach God out of like, deceit and envy, like, that's cool. Like, as long as his name is getting out there, like, I'm cool. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, Paul, but I guess like, you're, you're stoked about Jesus. We get that. Then he goes on to say that the best way to advance the gospel, which is the most important thing, the best way to do it is to be unified, is to be together. 
And this is where I was thinking about Brian's sermons. It's just to work together, one love, one mind, one spirit, under the unit of Jesus Christ working together. When we're all on the same page, we can advance the gospel better than we ever could. It's the way God designed it. Paul then takes one step further and says, okay, we should advance the gospel. We do that by working together. But how do we ensure that we work together? How do we ensure that we're doing all of this on the same page, that we're cooperating? For Brian's sermons, how do we ensure that we're not considering people as others? How do we ensure that we're working as friends? And that's what I want to talk about this morning because Paul says the answer to that question is humility. He believes that humility is the way that we work together and it's the way that we ultimately advance the gospel. And so with that, we're actually going to be sitting in the book of Philippians today. So if you have your Bible, you're more than welcome to open up to it, but it's going to be on the screen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We're going to be sitting on that passage this morning. So if we get that up on the screen, thank you very much. Perfect. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, working together. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. <laughs> Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he, was not in the, although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it's an amazing passage. There's lots there. I would love to talk about three big ideas in that passage. The first big idea is the idea of value, of value. So I think a lot of times when we think about humility, at least when I think about humility, I think of it as um, a negative. So humility itself is a good thing, but you only get to humility by talking about the negatives, by talking about how you need to recognize that you're not better than anyone else, that you need to be put in your place. You know, like if you were to compliment someone, like you did so good, they're like, no, 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 like it wasn't that good. Like, we, we sort of take ourselves a step down. We think of humility as like a subtraction. Like, we have to take something away. We have to take our pride aside, take it off in order to gain humility. That's sort of how we view it. Or, yeah, another way we view it is humility uh, comes from the same root word as, like, humiliate. Humiliation, right? These moments where we are sort of put in our place, where, as one rapper said, be humble, sit down. Like, we're told to sort of, like, recognize where you are. We're, we are in front of our faces, shown we're not as good as someone else at something. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a moment in your life when you just got put in your place, when you got handed the, the, the entire humble pie, like not a piece of it, you just got the entire thing. Um, for me, most of my stories are from middle school, so last, last time I talked, I kicked a girl in the face, so who knows what's going to happen here. <laughs> Um, but when I, when I was in middle school, I signed up for a track meet. Our, our city, the city of Phoenix, put together these track meets. They put together these, these um, sporting events. And so I agreed to do it. And I said, okay, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I just signed up for something. I signed up for the 800 meters, which, if you're unaware of track, 400 meters is one lap around, so 800 is two, which is half a mile. So I didn't train for it. I'm like, I'm 13. I'm, I'm awesome. I'm the boss. Like, 
Is any 13-year-old like maybe lack confidence? I don't know. But I was like, I'm, I'm athletic. I run. Like this is gonna be great. Like I'm I'm upper echelon at my school. It's gonna be super easy. So at practice, I didn't train. I didn't really do anything. I'm just like I, I'm gonna breeze through this easy. I go to the track meet. I sign I sign up like by name. I sign in, and I see there's only four people total, including myself, in this race. I'm like, I just have to beat three people. <laughs> That's it. This is gonna be a piece of cake. I remember right before my meet, I went to the restroom, and I remember seeing a kid in there and just going, let's just talk to this kid, and I asked him, what race are you in? And he's like, oh, I'm in, the, I'm in the 800 meter. And I won't describe the kid, because 13-year-old me was much meaner than I am now, but I looked at him, and I thought, oh, I can beat this kid. Like, <laughs> there's three people I have to beat, and one of them I can definitely beat, so like, this is going to be a breeze. So I get to my starting point, and I'm not sure how you line up, but I'm gonna line up like this, ready? And the gun goes off, and I just take off. I just start sprinting. Which to anyone who knows track, that is not what you do in the 800 meter. <laughs> you do not just take off sprinting. So I took off and I had the lead for two and a half seconds. And I burned out and I was tired and I just started like logging along. The race is two laps. I got lapped. True story, I got lapped. This is how slow it was. And I wish I could say that was the best part. The best part was I am in the, this is a true story, I'm in the middle of running, I probably have like 100 meters left, 300 meters, and I hear the intercom. And the intercom, or how the whole stadium goes, please do not set up the next race until all participants are done. <laughs> like, they thought the race was over. I'm like still running and they're like setting up the next race, like everyone's like, oh, there's still someone going. Like, and it wasn't like a big race, right? It was just like middle, but it was like city-wide and there's parents, like there's hundreds of people just staring at me <laughs> as I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll finish. I finished, so that was good. Um, but that was like, I mean, that was humiliating, but also, I mean, humbling in a sense, right? It was humbling in a sense. I got put in my place. And so I will argue that the Bible teaches us, especially this passage, that that is not the type of humility that we are necessarily supposed to have. And that doesn't mean that we don't have times when we're supposed to have stuff put in our place. What that means is that we often see humility as like putting us down a peg. That's how you shake off pride. But the first passage, the first verse in this, the first section says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. When we hear sometimes, count others as more significant than yourselves, sometimes we do this. This is how we view ourselves. This is how we view others. So how do we make them more significant? We lower ourselves. We look at them, we look at people, and we say, ah, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no better than them. I'm just as bad as them, and we lower ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a correct way to self-evaluate and see things you could be doing better. But what I am saying is, there's also a way to make count others as more significant than yourselves by instead of lowering yourself, elevate them. Encourage them. Love them. You don't always have to self-deprecate and beat yourself up and be negative to show a sign of humility. We don't always have to stand back and be put in our place to have a sense of humility. We can actually, instead of subtracting our own value, we can actually add value to other people and say, man, I still love my, I mean, I, I don't have to hate myself to love others well. Count others as more significant than yourselves. The second thing I want us to see from this passage is the idea of recognition. So recognition. So right after that, in verse 5, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though Jesus was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born from the likeness of men. So really quickly, I'm going to take a quick theology tangent. Because for people who don't know and maybe don't like theology, I'm sorry for the next 45 seconds. But there's lots of, you know, debate might be the wrong word, but discussion about really what does it mean that Jesus became a person, right? So I will say, you know, I'll say something like Jesus was fully God and fully man, both, 100% of both. How that works, no idea, but he was fully both. Um, People debate kind of how that operates. And so a lot of scholars, um, non-believers especially, will look at a text like this and they'll say Jesus emptied himself. And so they think that as he removed his divinity, he removed it in order to be like us. And so they say he kind of took it away. And so this text is highly debated, and so I couldn't read it without talking about it a little bit. And so, but if we read the text carefully, it says that he did empty himself, but he made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant. So Jesus is not taking anything off of himself. He's not removing anything but instead, he's adding humanity onto himself. So it's like you're wearing a shirt underneath and you put a shirt over it. Your other shirt's still there. It's just, it's not like he's taking one off and putting one on. He is adding humanity onto his already divinity. And so the thing that he added on, which is him not counting as a thing to be grasped, is his ability to be recognized as God. He is putting on human flesh. He's putting on, taking on everything that comes with being a human. And that is keeping him from being recognized as God which is why we see him getting transfigured. He has, he, has a, he has something underneath his humanness that is just so amazing, so divine, and it's because he's God. But he adds on humanity, and he doesn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He doesn't think being recognized as God is the most important thing, or equality with God is even the most important thing. And I think that is absolutely mind-blowing. It's especially mind-blowing and paradigm-shifting at this time. You know, at this time, especially even now, it's not an awful thing to want to be recognized for who you actually are, right? That, that, that shouldn't be a bad thing that if someone, you know, calls you by the wrong job title that you correct them. Or that if someone, you know, says, oh, do you make this much money or do you do that? And you correct them and say, no, this is correct. Like, that shouldn't be a bad thing. But even Jesus here is like, I didn't even consider being recognized as God as the most important thing. Jesus is constantly berated over and over and over. Dude, prove your God. Prove it. Show me. Do something. And he, all he says is, I don't have to prove anything to you. Because Jesus didn't look to his validation from other people. He didn't look to it from the world. He looked for his validation from God the Father. He looked at him and he said, you are the one who has made me. I look at myself through your eyes. And I don't need to prove anyone here who I need to be. Which, if I was Jesus, by the grace of God, I'm not. That is not how I would do it. I am someone who, uh, especially in my younger years, would feel like I have to, like, prove something. Like, oh, you don't think I'm Jesus? Like, boom, your head's a snake. Got it. Like, I would, I would be riding into Jerusalem on, like, a T-Rex. Like, I'm going to prove to you I am God. But he just, like, doesn't feel the need to be seen that way. His humility, Jesus' humility, is rooted in his confidence. Humility is not rooted in weakness and recognizing your faults. In fact, Jesus shows us that humility is rooted in who he is in Christ. It's rooted in his strength. In knowing who he is, he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone else. I think that we, Paul here wants to show that we are unified when we are humble, 
And I think that we have times when if we don't feel like we're recognized for what we deserve, then we get chippy with each other. We get argumentative. We need to prove our value. And if someone is not going to value you, then you should devalue them because it makes you feel better, or makes you feel higher. We're constantly wanting to be recognized for who we are. What would our community look like? Not just here, but the city, the state, the country, the world, if people didn't care about being recognized a certain way. What would that look like? As most of you know, I played lacrosse in college. I remember going to my first like lacrosse get-together party thing, and these, these seniors walked up to me, and they said, they, they weren't on the lacrosse team, but they were just seniors at the party, and they just looked at me, they're like, oh, like, you're on the lacrosse team. And I said, yeah, they said, like, no, you're not. Like, one, you don't have a beer in your hand. I did not drink in college. I said, you don't have a beer in your hand, and lacrosse players drink, that's what we do. And you're small and you're short. Like, you lacrosse players are big, strong, and drink. Like, we're Vikings, apparently. I don't know. And I remember, I was 19 years old. I remember thinking, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to prove to these guys that I'm a lacrosse player. So I just start, like, rattling off, like, my, like, weightlifting statistics. I'm like, oh, I bench press this much, bro. Like, oh, I can squat. Like, I can shoot a lacrosse ball really fast. Like, look me up. Here's my high school highlight video. Like, I promise you I'm good. Like, I just had felt so insecure and I had to prove to these people because they weren't recognizing me for who I am. And yet we're shown here that Christ, who has all the right in the world to claim everything, gets in front of a trial, gets beaten, gets pushed down, gets spit on, goes to death, even death on a cross, because his goals were higher than just being recognized for being God. His goals were in line with God the Father. What is it for you, you think? Something that you feel like, if you're not recognized for this, then you feel off. You know, maybe someone says you're a bad cook, and you're like, well, that's not a big deal. I don't really care about being a good cook. That's not a big deal. But what if someone says, you know, I don't think you're very smart? What if you need to be recognized as someone who's intelligent? What if someone, even though you're confident you're a good mother or a good father, someone tells you you're a bad mother? Someone tells you, I don't think you're that intelligent. You're not, you, you don't know films that well. You're not a good film critic. You're not that talented at sports. You're not anything. What is that thing in your life that really irks you if you're not recognized properly? Because I think we all have something that we want at the core people to know us for, to identify us as. That person is that good at that. And once again, if we feel like we're chasing that recognition, it's going to tear apart our unity, and it's going to tear apart our effectiveness at advancing the gospel. But how nice is it when we get to look to heaven and we go, no, I don't need that. I've got confidence in Christ. I have confidence in God. Megan and I, uh, my wife, just recently, we went on a trip with some of our best friends, and I have been telling people who ask about it, like, it's one of the best trips I've ever been on in my whole life, and I couldn't really say exactly why until I was writing this sermon, and I thought, it's because... I love these people so much and they love me so much that I actually didn't even once on the entire vacation think about myself. I didn't think about if my body looked good. I didn't think about um, like if we were doing something that wasn't fun for me. We were just enjoying each other's company and we so valued each other so much that we could just easy and it was so free flowing and so simple. And I think there's an idea that if we're all on the same page together, that we're just, we're not competing, we're not full of conceit and envy because we're not fighting for recognition because we all have the same perfect recognition in God and who he is. The third thing I want us to see from this text is um, obedience. Um, So it finishes off 
on the passage with, Jesus, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. The name that is, oh, therefore God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus was obedient, obedient to the point of death. And obedience jumped out to me. Um, it, it jumped out to me. I, it hit me hard because when I think about people who are humble, when I think about people in my life that are really humble, sometimes I think about them as people who do amazing things but don't recognize how amazing those things are, right? Like a simple example is, you know, someone hits a really good home run in baseball and someone's like, that was such a cool home run, that was so powerful, and they're like, no, 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 it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't that big a deal, anyone could do it and whatever. Like we have this idea that if we accept that we did something great, then that's prideful. That we can never accept that we do something good. And so we lessen our stuff. We make miraculous, amazing, unbelievable things, and we make them less. We say, no, it wasn't that big of a deal. No, 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 anyone could have done it. And I think that's a big shame. That we have these potentials to see amazing, incredible things, and we feel like because we need to come across as humble that we need to hide them. And so obedience struck, struck out to me because obedience blends perfectly the concepts of celebrating amazing things and being humble. Because Jesus, like we said, he doesn't self-deprecate. He never devalues himself. And yet he's still the most humble person. He doesn't recognize, doesn't consider being recognized as God is the most important thing. He's got his confidence from God. But yet Jesus walks around and he commanded rooms. He moved forward. He was strong. He was powerful. He didn't walk around, you know, like a doormat. He was strong and powerful. And whenever people were like, oh, well, that's, you know, he walked around and said, I'm the savior of the world. You guys are doing everything wrong. I'm telling you how to do things right. And the reason he was able to do this because he said, I'm just listening to the Father. I'm following him. All glory, all praise, all honor goes to him. None of it comes on to me. So I'm not going to diminish what I'm doing. What I'm doing is amazing. I'm saving everyone. I am not going to diminish that. I'm not going to say, no, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But I'm not the one doing it. It's all God the Father. Obedience allows us to celebrate good without feeling prideful. Think about other biblical characters like Moses. I mean, if you saw Moses, I mean, we have the background of Moses, but if you just saw Moses show up, you'd be like, this guy just shows up kind of out of nowhere a little bit and is just like, I'm going to take all my people away. I'm going to take them. I'm going to save them. And you're like, that's kind of weird, dude. It's pretty prideful. Like, what do you mean you're going to be the one to lead it? But we know the background, and we have a guy who was asked by God to do something. He says no at first. He doesn't think he can do it, and God kind of convinces him to do it. It's his obedience that leads him to do something absolutely amazing and miraculous. And in doing so, he says, but it's all God. It is 100% all God all the time, not me. Abraham, father of nations. He accepts it, he has this role, and he does an amazing thing, but he doesn't take any of the credit. He gives it all to God. Noah. We have Noah with the ark, saving, saving his family and basically the human race by building this ark. That he is not diminishing what he's doing, but he's giving it all to God. Because that's what we do. We have a thought. Humility should never be I can't, no, I can't do anything. I'm not special. I can't do anything. Nah, no, no, no. Other people can do it. It shouldn't be me. No, it's okay. It's even saying that, that feels like kind of a humble statement. 
But humility should never be, I can't do anything. Instead, humility should be, I can do anything with God's help. Anything. And then when any of it is looked at us, we just say, nope, it's all that guy. It is all God. It is absolutely him and him alone. We have opportunities as a church family and when we confront people and we're around people and we're around our friends and our family, we have opportunities to look at them and hope that they see us a certain way, hope that they validate us. And as the Bible tells us, that's only gonna lead to less unity. That's only gonna lead to God not getting the glory that he deserves. But we are called to live lives that say, I am not gonna find my validation in you all. I'm gonna find my validation in the God the Father who has chosen us as children to be part of his family, that who did the example first and humbled himself by becoming like us to die on the cross even though he deserved none of it. Absolutely none of it. And I want us to see that humility should be something that comes from a source of strength, comes from a source of power, comes from a source of a God who loves us. It doesn't come from a source of self-deprecation, of hating yourself. C.S. Lewis famously said, uh, C.S. Lewis, the author, theologian, wrote Chronicles of Narnia, um, he famously said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. And so he takes away the value statement at all. He's like, you don't have to hate yourself to, to be humble. No, you just think about yourself less. You think about other people. And so as we think about our weeks, as we go forward, I hope, I really have been sitting on Brian's last two sermons, I hope we reach out and we become friends and, and we make more friends and we create this community, this, this world of encouragement. But we have to do that first by looking at ourselves and recognizing who we are in God's eyes, who we are as his children. It's also said that um, this passage, um, it's written in a certain way. My translation is not written this way, um, but they believe that it was written in stanzas, that this might have actually been a song. And so while Paul is sitting in prison, which I'm not, please do not hear me say that like our prisons here are like good, like that they're nice. Like I'm assuming his prison was worse. (laughs) I'm assuming he's, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Rome, you can stand over where they think he was type of his prison and they're just sitting on the ground, maybe chained to the wall, can't move, can't do anything. And so they think, scholars think that Paul was sitting there and he was singing about Christ's humility, about unity of everyone, about us all working together for the common good, for the common goal of Christ. And he just sat in prison and just sang and just praised God and thanked him for this humble Christ who was the perfect example. So I would encourage you all that if we want to advance the gospel together, we need to work together. And if we want to work together, we've got to look at ourselves and be a little bit more humble by looking to God. So will you please pray with me um, as we invite the worship team back up. Heavenly Father God, we want to give you all the praise. We want to give you all the honor. We want to give you everything. And we want to be obedient to what you might have for us. We want to be obedient to what you might be doing through us. We don't want to be scared. We don't want to be weak. But Lord, we want to be confident in who you are. And by being confident in who you are, we want to be able to approach our fellow man, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We want to be able to approach them with humility, with love, with affection. Because in doing so, we can work together to proclaim your name and save this earth, God. We lift up the people in our community who are hurting the people who are sick, and we lift up everything going on in the rest of the world. God, we know that you are in control. We thank you for everything you're doing, God, and we worship you in this place. In your name, amen.